Welcome to the Story Geek Show. On today's show, we're reacting to the brand new Thor Love and Thunder teaser trailer. Then we'll be reacting to breaking down and discussing episodes two and three of Tokyo Vice, which is currently airing on HBO Max. We're going to go super deep into that show, so I hope you enjoy that. And finally, I will play an exclusive clip of our full cast audiobook, Death of a Bounty Hunter. This is the actual full cast audiobook clip that I'll be playing at the tail end of the show. We will be talking spoilers about both Tokyo Vice episodes two and three. So if you haven't seen that yet, watch them in full and then come back and listen to the show. I do highly recommend the show. So if you're thinking about watching it, definitely give it a shot. I'm Jay Shear, co-writer of Death of a Bounty Hunter and Time Slingers, and this is the Story Geek Show. Joining me on today's show was the host of the Disney Culture Club, Dale Wentland. But before I get into Tokyo Vice with Dale, here's my reaction to the brand new Thor Love and Thunder teaser trailer. So let me tell you why I'm super excited about this particular trailer is because I have been a big fan of Taika Waititi, especially with what he's been doing in theaters. I think his movies have been really fun and I'm really looking forward to Thor, Love and Thunder. But let's just get into the trailer, shall we? Here we go, Thor, Love and Thunder. By the way, I will be narrating some of this um, for audio listeners so you kind of know what's happening. And this trailer is going to start out with what looks like a young Thor running through a field with trees in the background. And sure enough, he turns into old school costume looking Thor also running through. He looks like he's maybe in his teens or something like that. And he has the old school Thor costume, which is pretty fun. And then he turns into more modern looking Thor with this with a new, more modern looking costume as he runs through this field. His hands were once used for battle. Now they're but humble tools for peace. All right, so now he's talking about, you know, he used to use tools for battle, but now he's using those humble tools for peace. So maybe he has had a change of mind about what he's supposed to do in his life. I should note that this is coming after the Thor that we saw in Endgame, which was a, was a fairly uh, broken Thor. Now, it is my favorite Thor. When I say he's a broken Thor, what I mean is he's lost some of his... You know, he had this bravado about him. He had this arrogance about him. And uh, he lost some of that. He was more of an anxious and depressed Thor, which I thought was actually really good for his character because it, it felt more real than the than the frat boy he was before, right? To figure out exactly who I am. Now, this is interesting because we have this song, Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses, is a super, uh, what word do I want to use? James Gunn feeling song, right? And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the trailer. So we can see that he's been working out here again. Um, he's still uh, a heavier version of Thor here, but he's in the process of working out. He's using chains to do that. There's some kind of, it looks like a King Kong kind of monster. Um, that's just the skeleton of King Kong that was all chained up. So maybe he has to defeat that character early on in the show. 
I want to choose my own path. And then here we have uh, Thor, um, who's slimmed down again. He's back to being buff Thor. And you can see teenage Groot in the background here. And it looks like he's with some, uh, he's on some other planet that they're seemingly helping to rescue. And we also saw Quill a second ago. So Peter Quill, oh, he's here on the screen too. He's behind the rock. So uh, they're definitely, he's with the, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is where he was at the end of Endgame, right? He was part of that whole crew for a while there. So that's interesting. And now he's back in his Thor armor and he has Stormbreaker. Still on the same planet, but it looks like the Guardians of the Galaxy are actually leaving the planet and maybe leaving him behind, but it's hard to say because it's hard to tell when these two scenes were cut together. So that may be misleading us entirely. My superhero days are over. And he says, my superheroing days are over. Uh, and then uh, he's with Korg. Just seemingly, they want us to believe that he's watching the Guardians of the Galaxy leave, um, which may be true. He does not have his cool armor on anymore, though. He's just wearing the T-shirt he was wearing a couple seconds ago in this scene. And then Korg is there. And Korg has like a full-on new belt and new pants. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but of course, Taika Waititi plays Korg. So there you go. Taika Waititi's in the movie and, alongside Thor. <laughs> And now here's a shot where he looks like he's like a pirate of some kind. <laughs> he's in this he's in this ship being pulled by um, some animals, and the animals are able to fly. So it's almost like he's you know Santa Claus that's flying his sled, but it's a big ship. And then it looks like he's trying to be a pirate. <laughs> and then it says, uh, "Not every god." Now there he is again with his armor and his stormbreaker, which makes me think that we're seeing lots of different times in this movie. Um, clearly he's talking about not being a superhero or not wanting to superheroing anymore. So that's, you know, is that early on in the movie? Then he, he adjusts or is that later on in the movie? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But that looks like it was like, there's this big arena and someone catches a thunderbolt. And like, I don't know if this is supposed to be Zeus or like, so maybe this is a flashback to his younger days or something um maybe he's in with a different group of gods potentially um it doesn't seem like this is odin per se but maybe it is odin i'm not sure not every not every god has a plan i think is what it says giant shot of korg and thor in front of this ginormous creature on another planet uh, but it looks like that creature is uh, no longer with us. It, it looks like it's dead. I don't know. And Peter Quill says, remember what I told you. And then there's a there's a little shot of New Asgard, and there's a bunch of cruise ships in the background. Um, and then there's a thing over here on the right side of the screen that says New Asgard Tours. Um, and so what it seems like is happening is that New Asgard has become a tourist destination which is a really interesting uh consequence of that being made known to uh to humans. you ever feel lost and then you hear peter quill saying if you ever feel lost just look into the eyes of just look into the eyes of the people that you love and then we see another shot here where again it looks like a i don't know it looks like a i'm kind of wondering if this is the the roman gods or the greek gods because there's a zeus like character here which may be is Odin, but I doubt it. I'm not sure if I know which which God would have lightning bolts like that. So we'll see. People that you and so, yeah, Peter Quill saying, just if you ever get lost, just look in the eyes of the love. people that you love. 
and he's looking, and Peter Quill's looking at the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then, and then Thor sticks his face in front of Peter Quill, which is hilarious and is categorically Taika Waititi. That is just the epitome of, uh, of what he's up to. Not me. And then Peter Quill says, not me. And that's really funny. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen um, Our Flag Means Death, but I won't spoil it. But if you haven't seen uh, Our Flag Means Death, it's a Taika Waititi um show he's involved in that show and he's actually an actor in that show and this has some of those same <laughs> vibes right here in this scene what? just listening and then we get the giant logo which is a very 80s style logo which goes really well with this soundtrack and then this is really interesting. Millionaire flies through the air. A hand grabs it. And then what do we see? Thor is like, like shocked. This looks like there's people battling behind Thor. Um, I can't really see who that is or what they're doing. But this hand grabs it. And then we come down. And it looks like it is the Jane Foster Thor. Now, I can't tell if that's Natalie Portman. Because I do believe she's supposed to be playing um the female version of thor i can't remember the the character's name from the comics but um if you know it let me know but whoever's playing this if it's not if it is natalie portman then she bulked up oh my gosh she's like super buff if it's not natalie portman then i don't really know who it is um i don't know who it's supposed to be because i thought she was maybe coming back to play that role but if you know otherwise then leave me a comment and this is coming in July of 2022. And interestingly enough, this film is not yet rated. I don't see this film getting anything but a PG-13 rating, though. So so there you go. Thor Love and Thunder um, coming to theaters in July. Can't wait for it. Taika Waititi always has some great humor and great moments with his characters. This looks no different. It is just a teaser, so it's kind of like a sizzle reel. It doesn't really explain all that much. But what it does look like is that Thor is going on a journey to learn a little bit more about how to be a better superhero because he says he's done superheroing and maybe that's true maybe this whole movie is transitioning um to, from one thor to the next thor uh transitioning from you know the the character that is played by chris hemsworth to the character that is played by jane foster i don't know but either way i think it'll be really fun and taika wachiti brings a lot of heart to these things so that's really really cool all right now let's move on to tokyo vice and get into this i'm going to welcome dale wentland to the show and then we will jump right into episodes two and three of tokyo vice and these are some deep questions so i hope you enjoy this segment dale welcome to the show hey thanks for it's having me Oh, it's great to have you. It's been a, it's been a little while. I mean, we talk we talk on Facebook Messenger, but it's been a little while since you and I podcasted together. We had some great conversations about Last Jedi, about Star Wars in general. Uh, yeah. So it's good to see you on the show again. How how are you? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I've been uh, safe up here in Canada. So <laughs> nice. That's perfect. And then we are going to get into uh, you've kind of rebooted your show. We're going to talk about that after we dig into Tokyo Vice. So everybody, stay tuned for that for sure. Um, but let's just dive right into Tokyo Vice here. I have a little bit of a recap so people can remember um, what episodes two and three were sort of about. And then we'll jump into questions about two and three. So with uh, Tokyo Vice, episodes two and three, um, they showcase Jake getting his first story published at the newspaper, which puts him in hot water because his report turns out to be wrong. Um, he had you know, information that he couldn't trust from one of the detectives. 
which means that he needs to find a new police source. And that's when he starts to build a relationship with Detective Hiroto Katagiri. Uh, as, as that's unfolding, we learn a little bit more about the central conflict. It turns out that the police just want to keep the peace between different factions of the Yakuza. And two specific factions may actually go to war over a shared territory or a desired territory. And that potential turf war is uh, over fees that are levied on small businesses. The small businesses actually pay these gangs to protect them. And yet there may be a turf war <laughs> over this whole protection. So it's, so it's a very complex scenario that we find ourselves in. We're looking at journalism. We're looking at police activity. We're looking at gang activity. We're looking at the societal aspects of uh, this escort service and whether or not the escorts are prostitutes. We don't even quite know what the definition there is. Um, so before I ask you the first question, you had, you had told me that you were really into this show. Episode one particularly impacted you. You have a little bit of a background in studying some of the Japanese culture, if I'm not mistaken. Can you tell me a little bit about that before we jump into the actual questions? Well, yeah, like I'm a bit of a casual theologian. And so uh, I studied a lot of different types of religions. and um, But Japan is like a, a big passion for me. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so, you know, I, I learned the, some of the laws and, uh, and the cultural nuances, and I have some Japanese friends, and just I've been kind of uh, ingrained in the culture, not ingrained in the, well, observing the culture for a long period of time. I haven't had the privilege to go to Japan, um, but I also know what it's like to be a fish out of water, and, um, and uh, yeah, so I, I know some stuff about Japan. Uh, uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but uh, <laughs> I know enough to know that there's certain nuances especially in episode one where uh michael mann if you know him with la he he, he tells you things about la that you don't know even you could live there your whole life mm -hmm. and he did the same thing with tokyo and i was blown away that he was able to do that because uh, he had would have had to have really good advisors or like just lived in tokyo for a long time and michael manned it up uh it was it, it I, I had to take a moment it was a lot there were so many little nuances just even to what um what Jake would order, um, <laughs> like to not order white people food at the noodle place, right? To get mm. chicken liver, mm. um, and and like and just the little the little looks that the Japanese people give, and those little subtleties, and um, the amount of respect he slowly builds with people over time, which is a which is a huge thing in Japan because um, it's so honor and respect uh, motivated. Yeah, which goes back. Uh, I'm assuming centuries, if not millennia, right? Always, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, you know, and, and it's 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 truly ingrained, it, and it, it's, um, I think for people watching it, you know, when you're talking about the protection money, you could, it's very Sopranos esque if if you needed yeah. that type of, it's this exact same thing, uh, but I would say the motivator, um, other than money, <laughs> is is slightly different, and loyalty and respect and um and how you do loyalty and respect is different in japan than it would be in, in america oh yeah yeah that's great that's great this is gonna be a fantastic conversation because you've got a good some good studying you've done there so that's that's fantastic i've done very little studying so i'm mainly just responding to the show and asking myself questions that are coming out of the show so um, this will be good. This will be really fun. Um, there's a moment in episode two where Hiroto tells one of his fellow detectives that he thinks the Yakuza 
maybe killing people who can't pay off their debts. And this comes right after a low-level Yakuza flunky, basically, has already confessed to the crime. So in episode one, we saw a guy had been stabbed with like a full-on like sword. It was a sort of a knife, but it's like full-on like sword in the middle of the street. And the, the, they're suspecting, both Jake and Hiroto, they're suspecting that the Yakuza were involved in this murder and that they were doing so because this guy couldn't pay his debts. His family couldn't pay their debts. And so there's somebody that has basically said like, oh no, I did it. I killed the guy for some like bogus reason. And Hiroto here is just saying like, I don't think that this guy did it. I think there's something bigger going on here. And the response that he gets from the other detective is, look, man, we're just here to clear cases, which means that it doesn't matter if this guy did it or not. We're just trying to have a good police record. And if this guy says it, then we get to close this case. Um, and then later on in episode two or three, Hiroto tells Jake that the Yakuza's roots run deep and he and the police in general basically are not trying to solve the Yakuza problem so much as trying to prevent that problem from becoming bigger and spilling over into the civilian population. And so this is where I get into the questions for you, Dale. These because these are some pretty big questions, and I'm glad that you're a casual theologian because I probably am a, probably a casual theologian as well. And these questions are kind of the things that we like to talk about. Um, why is justice so difficult to achieve? Why does it often feel like injustice is as prevalent or even more prevalent than justice is? And what does Tokyo Vice suggest about justice? Uh, well, oligarchy is why injustice occur <laughs> would occur <laughs> occurs. Um, so there, I would say there's a, a few things. One, our we're, we're we're looking at it through our lens, so our mm. justice isn't the same. And right. especially in North America, you got that martial law type of justice, um, as you know, being a Western writer. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and uh, so, but like that, that's prevalent, right? Like you know, as you know, stories and and media kind of shape our expectations, and and so that's to we. Should, you know, the fact that that those people didn't get shot in the club is a <laughs> like the fact that someone was attacking someone with a knife and a police officer took out a billy club and scared them away as opposed to shooting them down on the street. Mm. Those are right. You're, you're bringing in. So it's different. So justice, you have to see justice different and uh, differently. And, and I think that is one of the big things that Tokyo Vice talks about is that justice is different everywhere. Mm. Mm. And um, so because of the, so one of the things we have to take a note too with this is that the honor system uh, drives everything. And mm. it's not that the Yakuza necessarily like to say their roots run deep is a bit of a misnomer in it, in it sense. It, it would be more accurate to say like Japan is a tree and the mm. Yakuza are the roots mm. and uh, society is maybe like just like the beginning of the, the trunk and <laughs> and like law and everything are the leaves and they're the, and they're everything else because it, it you need the yakuza in, in a lot of aspects of japan mm -hmm. and uh they needed them after world war ii and it uh it's just really they're in so it's they're intrinsic it, so it's hard to you're not really taking down the yakuza so you have you have to maintain the peace it is all mm -hmm. about maintaining that um, that honor. And, you know, so Japan has super low crime rates, which is a sense of pride, national pride. 
and they want to keep those numbers in that sense of national pride. They want to look good to the world. They're very, at this time, 1999, very concerned about outward appearance. Mm -hmm. And uh, those numbers, they want people to come. They want to rebuild, like continue to um, improve on relations in North America. And um, so they have to take those all into consideration. So it's like, it's these big things. And then also too, in Japan, defamation is different than it is in North America. So mm -hmm. you, um, in Japan, defamation is publicly questioning someone's honor, true or not. Mm. So to go to your even your superiors to say, uh, well, this was actually some murders that are happening and you're ignoring them is you have to be so that's not just like, a, oh, he's a he's an idea oriented person or you know, like you just questioned your superiors honor. And if you question the structure that you're a part of, you're mm. questioning all your superiors. And again, you can be sued for defamation. There's a story about a guy who was just telling a story. He didn't mention any names, but he talked about someone in Japan. They call it quasi rape, but it's mm. uh, like a, a, a date rapist. And um, uh, he just talked about the story and talked about this person who was doing these things, never mentioned any names. And he was successfully sued for defamation um, oh. because someone was able to know enough information through the story to assume who it was and that questioned their <laughs> honor and it was like equivalent to seventy thousand dollars american no uh, that they way. were awarded yeah wow. so it, it, it's a different thing and yes. and and so even in the first episode when they're like saying like it's not murder unless someone saw it and they it it's more than just trying to brush stuff under the rug it is you don't question people's honor uh, and until you see them not be honorable yeah and even yeah. then even <laughs> then so that's the type of thing that they're trying to fight against and this is this is systemic this is completely societal and everyone sees it exactly the same in japan as you can tell mm -hmm. uniformity is really important yeah um so uh so that's what i think you know you're that's what i think Tokyo Vice is trying to say first really in these early episodes is how different society is mm. and we're seeing it as injustice and it is injustice and we know it's injustice right. but not everyone sees it as injustice they see it as right. part of the system right and I would say that's kind of that that big takeaway is that yeah and that's where Jake kind of comes into play because <laughs> right he, and, but we'll get into those other questions after yeah. but that's the, the society doesn't see it yeah, there. I love that. I love that perspective. By the way, that's really, really good. I took a, I took a slightly different take on it. So I'll, 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 sure. I'll get yeah. into that a little bit, and then we'll, then we'll discuss the differences because I think it's really important that that you noted what you noted. So one of the things I do is when I, when I ask a question like this, it always makes me go like, well, what is justice even? Like, how do we even define justice? Right? Like, that's that that is on its face difficult to do. And if you even look up the definition of justice, I, I looked it up this morning. There's like six different definitions <laughs> of what justice could be. And so I think that like you could make an argument that it's is it getting what you deserve or, you know, why is it a concept we even care about? Like, why do we mention justice as a thing that we care about? Um, do we even need the term? Why do we need the term? And I think that there is this I'm going to connect this back to Tokyo Vice, I promise. But yeah. I think that there is this. Um, there's this issue that we have. You brought up like oligarchies, right? Which, we're, which we'll talk a little bit more about too. But there's this sense that people aren't perfect. 
And then people aren't even good in some situations, right? So like we have people aren't perfect, people aren't good, people hurt each other and cause each other pain. And so in my mind, justice is trying to ensure two things. Um, that wrongs are made right and that nobody gets taken advantage of. Now that's just a very, very basic yeah. definition of justice, right? Yeah. And I think that like you could take it even further. You could start to talk about what's more just well, probably fairness and equality are more just. However, because the world does not appear to be fair or equal in many ways, that we could just list a whole host of ways that the, where, that the world is not fair or equal, not only by the definition of the systems that we create that could make it more fair or equal or less fair or equal, but also just that people are born different. People are born with inequalities and not with unfairness, right? Just even location. Exactly. Just even location. So, um, so justice sort of means, I think that if we, if we get into that fairness and equality definition, we've moved into the realm of philosophy or spirituality or to you and I's thought process theology, right? Like, like that's something that's like, well, that's something you'd have to talk about at a theological, philosophical, um, spiritual level. You, you can't talk about that in the, the, in a very pragmatic way. So, to me, justice is sort of like saying we want wrongs to be made right and that and so that people don't get taken advantage of, which then brings me to Tokyo Vice. And it says, like, well, how do you apply that thinking to Tokyo Vice? And I think you did an excellent job of explaining the different perceptions that people have of what justice even could be. So, like, when I, when I asked that question, well, the Yakuza are trying to help people not get taken advantage of right like um and they're trying to sometimes make make right what wrongs are like so we we would have to admit that not paying back your debts could be perceived as a wrong now you and i would say like well we can't just kill people who don't pay their debts back but like you could argue that like okay well that's in an honor culture that would be very very important is to pay back the thing that you that you owed so i think that you have um and this yeah. is what i would love to hear your response to i'm going to go through <clears throat> each character and just give a perception of what kind of justice they're fighting for. And then I want to hear your perspective of that. Because some of these characters are Japanese characters. Some of these characters are American characters. Yeah. Um, so I think Jake sees the Yakuza as evil purveyors of injustice. And therefore, they need to be exposed. Because at least some of them are preying on people. Now, I think that that's going to get delineated out a little bit more. If some people may not be as bad as other people in the Yakuza framework. But again, we're only on episode three. Um, two and three. Then there's the police. The police let the underworld live by their own rules so long as it doesn't spill over into the working class. So justice means that in the police definition, you sort of get what you signed up for, right? Like if you signed up to be a Yakuza and there's Yakuza violence, you signed up for it. It is what it is. But if you didn't sign up for it, then we want to kind of protect you from what could be going on with them. Yeah. Uh, Hiroto is seeing some spillover into the the citizen class and is already willing to help Jake expose the truth because he's worried that it will kind of roll out of control, right? Um, because he does see some of the Yakuza's injustices against the common citizens. Sato, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but he's the young, the young Yakuza who actually is one of the most fascinating characters in the show from my pers perspective. Yeah. Um, 
He was on the path to being a fishmonger, which you could consider part of their caste system, right? Like it's yeah. probably difficult to make it out of being a fishmonger, right? Um, well, you, you don't, think, you don't even if you right if you notice in their culture, you're always tagged as who you were, even if exactly. you're even if you're changing your stars. Exactly, that's why he gets in a fight with the guy, right? Like yeah. so because he he's calling him a fishmonger. So, or actually, he's 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 making fun of his sexuality too. But like, he's there's a, that's all wrapped up in the same kind of the argument. The fact that he was allowed to do that—that that was that's a boss. He's not. Yeah. The, he's not. He's not. Uh, he's not the boss. He's a boss. Yeah. And everyone just sat around and wanted to see how he would respond. Exactly. Let's see what happens in the honor culture when this kind of thing goes down. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that the Sato's version of injustice is basically. You know, I don't think I should have to be relegated to being a lower class citizen. And so I'm going to better myself by being a Yakuza because otherwise it's unjust that I would be forced to be this this fishmonger. And then finally, um, Samantha, uh, who seems to lean towards Sato's view, right? Like she's a obviously an expat that's living in Japan, but she's much more pragmatic the way Sato is pr pr pragmatic, meaning... I'm going to do what it takes to make a better life for myself. And now she does have a sense of justice in terms of like, you shouldn't hurt her fellow escorts, but it's a much more pragmatic sense of justice as opposed to what you might call Jake's sense of, sense of justice, which is kind of like, well, we need to expose the truth. These people are like, well, it's not enough to expose the truth. We've got to live life too. So give me a take on, um, on those characters and how their views of justice are shaping them. Yeah, I would. So it's totally accurate to say like Jake is more like hero justice, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but like it makes sense. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, right. You right. Know, he he. But even just uh, the environment that he grew up in, uh, he grew up in the American police environment, um, and uh, got to see all th that uh, that type of heroic uh, mm -hmm. and those heroic acts. So that's kind of his thought process. And again, too, yeah, uh, gang member equal bad, um, but but. <laughs> right. uh, Again, the, at no point am I, you know, saying become a yakuza. And, and, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but you're you're right with your vision. It's a it's a pathway to progress. And again, too, we, it's just I'm going back to Sopranos just for people's brains um, because it's sometimes all. But again, that was yeah. the same. Say like say for Christopher or whatever. It was a it's a or even Tony. You know. I, I, I not no one was going to give us anything. No one was helping the Italians, you know, and it, it, it it's that same thing. It, it, no one is helping the lower caste um, in a place when there's where there's no real immigration. Uh, lo and behold, people find a way to be racist. And uh, <laughs> it usually based off of uh, jobs and location of where you live. Right. Um, and uh, and then also probably, you know, in Japan too the the darkness of your, uh, your skin and the shape of your face. Mm -hmm. And, um, because a different shape of your face would imply that your family comes from different locations. And especially mm -hmm. if you had a, say a more Chinese face, uh, and, mm -hmm. or a Korean face. Um, so those things are really important and people hide those things. I think the one thing too, when people hear the word Gaijin, they think that it means like white person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it mean? I don't know. It this means, is... it just means foreigner uh okay okay and so it's foreigners they have a problem with got it so there are there are other gaijin around which we we see right yeah um yeah. and they all have the same problems as jake mm. but jake doesn't even see the other gaijin in his life right, <laughs> he doesn't right. even because there's one gaijin in in jake's life 
Um, uh, but so, yeah, so for, for Jake, it, he has that, 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 um, that hero kind of justice. And, um, it, again, it, it, it's not wrong. Right. And I think that's important to, it might be a little condescending, <laughs> right. uh, but it, his vision isn't necessarily incorrect. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, for justice for, who else was it? Do you had just for uh, Hiroto? Yeah, yeah, Hiroto, the police, Samantha, yeah, Sato, yeah. So, like any of those characters. Again, yeah. So for again, that, that's to maintain the peace, right? Yeah. To maintain status quo, to make sure it doesn't, you know, the innocents aren't um, uh, taken advantage of. Uh, you know, it, a lot of the crime gets hidden with suicide. Um, ah. So because suicide is a normal thing in. in it's sad and tragic, but it's a more normalized thing in the culture. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of murders or a lot of gang violence can be hidden through suicide. And so that is concerning because the suicide rates are a thing of national disgrace, right? They're not yeah. proud of those the, the, that information as they are pr right. proud of the, the police numbers. So right. um, that's something that police need to be worried about as well. And again, it hide it's hiding the truth of things and, um, you know, we, I think we learned in one of the episodes at this point about why people, why people would light themselves on fire in the street. Right. Yep. You, you, they talked about that in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. But again, that it's own, it's its own type of justice and honor <laughs> to go kill yourself out in the street. So no one has to deal with it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> except and for there, like the, no question except for the paid cleanup crew. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And, you know, you're not damaging anyone's property, you know, like, like, because people will talk about that sometimes suicide in North America, like how selfish it is. And they, they usually mean like, because, you know, you're, you're, you're dead in a bathroom or something like that and then, right, or in right, your bedroom. Right. And it's, you know, now you're impacting other people. Japanese people are so considerate. <laughs> they'll go do it like, you know, in a forest or like in, you know, they're going to kill themselves and light themselves on fire. It, it, again, it, no damage will happen to anybody. It's going to be some shocking to some people, but there's like a cleanup crew that comes by and, you know, and takes care right. of it. I know it seems like so dark to, to say, be so casual. Yeah. But it's yeah. just part of, it's part of the honor system. It is part of the, the culture. So that, that's again, I think a lot of the reason the police are maintaining right mm -hmm. they it's all it it isn't arrest the guy trying to commit assault it's like tell him to go home <laughs> right 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 like yeah. you know it, the the gang war it's not you know even when they start giving up the soldiers that he, to take three soldiers for a, like a nothing thing was the police warning everybody yeah. it was to put the one yakuza group um um the toza Oh yeah, uh, uh, into into in their place because they're trying to they're bumping up. They're trying to cause a little trouble. They want a little more power. So mm -hmm. give us three. And then the next scene that we see after that is the other yakuza game laughing about how many people they had to give up. Yes, and, and it so now they feel like okay, we're good. The police are like agreeing with us a little. We can calm down a little, and that's where. It, the justice gets strange, right? You're like, well, like, you know, they're just, some people are just giving themselves up. Like no one really, because in America, you want retribution usually. Right. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't call it right. vengeance, but you'd want retribution. Yes. And um, there's no retribution really. It's more right. of just an exchange of pleasantries. And that's <laughs> bizarre in our minds. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then Sam, her, again, she, she doesn't, I don't think she cares about anybody or anything unless mm. it's, it's for her 
protection and safety, which she should, because I don't think anyone cares about her either. So right. Uh, right. she's very much like fight for yourself and, uh, and look after yourself. Uh, yeah. She's not trying to say anything about anybody. She doesn't care where they, what their job is. She, uh, you know, she's, she doesn't want to really join Jake's crusade. Cause you would think, right? Like you, they almost were like, Oh, Jake's going to loop her in. And she kind of gives them some information or whatever, but that's it. Yeah. She, she yeah. Doesn't even, it's, it's kind of weird. You know, she doesn't even, you think she would have the white savior complex, but no, nope. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Not at all. She's almost trying to escape the, yeah. the whole white aspect of life in some ways, but then in some ways she stands up for herself in ways that, you probably wouldn't see someone of a Japanese culture do. So it's interesting. She's, right. a, she's, yeah, a, yeah. she's a very fascinating character, actually. She's got like um, a Superman problem. She's as yeah. white as she needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. All right, that's great. And I wanted to just bring out a couple more things before we move on to the next question. And that is that, you know, I think that that one of the reasons I really like Noor is that it exposes that the the very definition of justice is not as black and white as we would hope. Yeah. It is not as, it is not as there are so many different aspects that are pragmatic and not moral that it shows that it's elastic. It's, it's like, it changes depending on the scenario and depending on the situation. Um, and I yeah. think that the question of why is justice so difficult? I think that there's Tokyo vice says there's three ways that that it's so difficult to answer that question one the world isn't fair or equal which it showcases in in sato's character for sure and samantha's character for sure uh people aren't perfect and are two this is two people aren't perfect and are oftentimes willfully bad and then three because of those two things the concept of justice itself is far grayer than it is black and white with all the different perspectives so just to give some real world examples because i think it's always kind of interesting to look at okay this is a work of fiction that's based on a real world example but then there's other like blm protesters calling to abolish the police while other people are literally picking up the phone to call the police to protect them from the rioters who are not a part of the blm protesters but just happen to be there to cause problems and, and conflict that now you have this very complex not very black and white view of justice anymore it's like well there's a there's a lot of complexity here we buy apple products despite knowing that labor practices in other countries may be predatory or worse and then you brought up a really good point um that i that, that made me think of because growing up in la there's always this thought process of like the bloods and the crips and, and the difference between the bloods and the crips and why they butt up against one another well one of the reasons the this is to your point about the yakuza one of the reasons the bloods popped up as a gang is because when the Crips started taking over neighborhoods, they started to bully certain parts of those neighborhoods. And then the blood said, well, we got to rise up just to fight the Crips because we can't call the police, right? So right. there's these complex systems of justice. I was even watching a YouTube video. There's a YouTuber called uh, Kurt Kaz, and he travels around the world. He's from South Africa, and he goes into the, like, the craziest places. And he just posted a video the other day where he's in Brazil in one of the favelas, which are like the the the... the uh sprawling ghettos they have there and there's literally gunfights between the the gang members and the police but one of the guys was telling him like these gang members actually protect some of us from the police right so this concept that justice is like this easy black and white thing where the sheriff shows up in a white hat and he and he says oh you're bad and you know then then, it, then like to your point retribution happens that's just not a thing for most people, right? That's just not a thing people can just mostly deal with. So I love that Noir exposes us to these other concepts of justice. And I have not seen it done 
I don't know that it has been done in, in, in the Japanese spaces before, but I really like how this is being done. So fantastic stuff we're getting from Tokyo Vice. Yeah, right. Like it's always important, like all things being perfect, then yeah, justice could be easy, right? But yes, some of those that run forces are those that burn crosses. <laughs> right, exactly. And, exactly. You know, and right, right there, right at that one concept, then yep. justice is no longer you can't can't be doled out by that group and um they're actually not in charge of justice even (laughs) right 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 um and i I do think it's important what anytime you bring up defund the police i do just i think it's important that you should not you there is a difference between um not wanting police to have tanks and (laughs) abolishing the police and like so for me like when i see it uh, from my perspective um, in Canada, it, it, you know, a lot of people will say, like, think that defund the police, they get it wrong. Like they get that idea as well. Like again, mm-hmm. abolishing, like get rid of the police and like no more, less cops and stuff. It's just like, they don't need tanks and um, they shouldn't be going to um, so many different types of situations. Like, is it mm-hmm. justice for a cop to go to um, someone like to a call where someone is being like, is mentally ill? Hmm. Or, um, you know, would it be justice uh, to have shot down those Yakuza members and then have had hundreds of people be killed in the wars that would follow afterwards? Would that have been justice? Right. Um, and and that's, you know, I think that that's important to, to remember with just that made me think of that when you were talking about it. Just I mean, these are all these are all things that are again, they're gray, right? Is there is there a yeah. situation? Is, is there a situation in the world where you would <laughs> want the police to have a tank? Probably. I mean, probably there's probably some place where the 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 forces of that are doing bad are so heavily armed that you might need the police to be as heavily armed and maybe the citizenry but then you and i would say well yeah but isn't it a better world if we can just have nobody armed like isn't isn't that a better place to live where that isn't as big of a concern i mean this is these are things that like they're very it's this is again where i where i think the show is telling us it's there are some principles that we should abide by justice is important but what does justice even mean and if you viewed it from a different from someone else's shoes would you see it differently and i think the answer to that is yes <laughs> like it would is yes it's important yes it's important to see it from different people's shoes and no it's not easy to come up with solutions that would just instantly solve some of the problems that every single culture in the world would deal with relative to these things so it just gets very complex very fast obviously yes yeah 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 that's all and 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 <laughs> yeah. and we just the problem too i think in uh our society our like our one our one is we don't review ourselves enough and yeah. we don't listen to um we, you know like even being in the disney community like people don't even listen to like they'll be like i'm the greatest walt disney fan of all time and then listen to nothing that he said ever <laughs> right, you know right, right. and and people do that even with the founding fathers of america right you know yeah. like uh thomas jefferson i'm pretty sure it was thomas jefferson said that you should probably like redo the government all the time right i think it was <laughs> right. you know not as so eloquent as i put it but it, <laughs> it and we don't do that self that self-review and you know and so right. when things just keep getting budgets and um and it's important to review and and, and you know 
I, like I, for me, I think police should be paid more. They should be more trained. They should actually be right. a profession and not like a, like a backup career. Right. Um, it should have as much schooling as a lawyer. They should, uh, it should be like, again, highly paid, highly, uh, protected, you know, harsh laws if anything comes against them, but at the same time, lots of responsibility, lots of accountability and, um, and, uh, a different mandate. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And that, and that, and that is totally another thing that we could dive into and even compare to Tokyo vice, but yeah. just in this, for the sake of time, I'm going to move on to the next question too. Great discussion on question number one. Um, and this question revolves a lot more around the cultural stuff again. Um, and Mike, Mike Gordon and I talked a lot about culture shock and cultural integration. When we discussed episode one, um, we both talked about being a fish out of water in different cultures too, not Japanese cultures, but other cultures. This show continues to explore that concept. And there's another big topic here that I think is one that's worth discussing, worth discussing cultural integration versus cultural change. And, you know, one of the things that we'll hear talked about a lot in the modern world is colonization. And so there's this question I have in my mind of like, Jake traveled all the way from Missouri. He's a, the first foreigner to work at a Japanese, this particular Japanese newspaper. And it feels like while he's trying to learn the ropes, he also may be trying to influence how Japanese people think and feel. So this is my question for you, Dale, and we'll discuss it in general. Is that a form of colonization or is this a guy who's trying to do the right thing or is it a little bit of both or what do you think tokyo vice is suggesting as jake travels across the globe to influence this other culture yeah I, we touched a little bit about it but you know where it, it is there is that in our culture in north america and for you uh with even with uh christianity every time you talk about Christianity doesn't mean you're trying to convert somebody. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm glad you said that. Cause that's very true. That's very right? true. Even though yeah. like that's like a mission statement and all that jazz, it is, you're not always trying to do it. And right. so uh, I really related to relate to him because I'm someone like you plunk me down in like a meeting room. Doesn't matter what it is. I could sit there, listen to the conversation for a while and have some suggestions and some ideas on how you can make some improvements or changes and things like that. And that's how my brain works. And so he, I, I, I really related to him in that regard because he's our Luke Skywalker in the first episode, taking us through everything. And yeah. I, and I, I said to you, like, this is a great time. This is a great time for this type of content because white guys, I think, really need to this type of content mm. where they're a fish out of water. They're, they don't know everything. Um, and some of their good qualities are their follies in other situations. Mm. And, mm. and I think hopefully, because for some reason, apparently it's hard to connect to uh, May and like turning red and stuff like that because it's, a, you know, like, oh, I couldn't have possibly adapt that story for my own life situation. So, okay, <laughs> fine. Here's a, a white dude then. And, you know, and maybe you can adapt this. And I, I hope like for me, empathy is something that's trained over time. Mm -hmm. And I think as a North American audience, we need a little more empathy. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that this, this is such a great pathway to that. And so mm -hmm. there is that bit of uh, um, colonization, but it, 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 it's kind of who we are. It, it kind of, it's it, it's just why our culture is the way it is you know we're all like 
I don't think that it's as I don't think it's as on purpose as it may seem. Mm. It, it, it and I think he kind of starts to more realize the condescension behind what he's doing, and he gets kind of slapped with it a couple times, especially yep. you know. Um, and because again, I by episode three, yeah, we yeah by episode three we know that his boss is she's Korean, right? Um, uh, we might she's, not know that quite. I, I think yet, at the but... very end, I think at the okay. very end of the episode. Well, at the very end of the episode, she comes, she's speaking Korean to somebody and oh, she goes into a yeah, house yeah, 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 at the yeah, very yeah. end, right? Yes, so, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So you are supposed to kind of, yes. yeah. So, and she's given them the letter of the law, right? And so yes. she is a foreigner as well. Yeah. And that is a bit of on us to not, yes. like, we didn't see that. And that right. was some film, that was trickery for us. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And uh, so, so there is, there, there is this, you know, it, it is, it is intrinsic just to the North American sentiment. So I do agree there is, there is some colonization, but it's not so bad. Mm. Um, and, but it's, a, it's, and it's a good vision. He's, he's not wrong. I, I actually think Japan in this situation needs a foreign perspective. Mm. And I think through all the time, we all need foreign perspectives, you know, yeah. uh, and they're people, they're people that are slightly removed from our culture, but uh, like have taken the time to learn it, appreciate it. And then they're like, Hey, there's this huge gap. Yes. And we should listen to those people, you know, like the educated foreigners, right? Like that, they're the ones who can, they see it, you yes. know, um, Ronnie Chang, um, stand-up com comedy, uh, comedian, he just has a new Netflix special. And it's all about his perspective in America um, mm. because he's been to three other countries, you know, like because he, he and he, he can see like he loves America I and mean, yeah. he can see that there's what these issues are. And that, that's kind of my whole thing. Right. It's like I like I love so much about America. I love American people uh, and, and I'm Canadian and it's just slightly different. And so I just see things slightly and I can help yes. you with some and, and our suggestions could help you with some of our, your problems exactly. <laughs> that no one else is having. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, and, and so I, I think and again, it, it goes the other way. So a good thing to look at is like uh, tech companies. Mm. They really took a lot of Japanese business models on loyalty uh, and company loyalty uh, mm. and applied them in Silicon Valley. And in that and that's why you get like they're called like tech cults and stuff like that, because mm. that's how we would perceive being lo loyal to a company like that is it's only it can only be cultism. And <laughs> um, where in Japan, again, that loyalty is ingrained so early on. And, and like that's mm. like the first. Well, could you be loyal to like in his interview? Could you even be loyal to us? Like, or do white people have loyalty? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and and so our our society has improved and grown through the view, the visions and, um, uh, and the, the practices of another country in Japan. And again, those practices were taken right into the tech industry. So it does go both ways and it's yeah. important to do, especially in global, like a globalized world. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, for me, I think that America has exported the American dream for so long. It needs to import other visions to grow and improve. Mm, mm. And, and and i think that, that that you're seeing that where he's trying to export the american dream yeah 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 that's very true i i think so you were you said a, a lot of the same things that i was going to say because i think <laughs> that no, no 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 that's perfect that's perfect I, I i think that it would be ludicrous for us to think 
show me evidence of a perfect system that's been created by humanity at any <laughs> point in time in the history of of humanity and i would and i'll and i'll you know i would be shocked i've never seen a perfect system created and i'm i'm very much a systems type of thinker i like to think in terms of systems um even when i'm doing my storytelling and my writing i'm thinking of it in terms of a system um now i can sometimes to your point point earlier i can use some some uh pushes to think more empathetically to individuals, right? And yeah. I think that both of those truths, that no perfect system has ever been created and that we need more empathy for other people, lead me to the same conclusion that you came to, which is to say that rather than assume, first of all, the one mistake you can make is, my culture is superior and better, therefore I must take over another culture. That is colonization, that should not happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other conclusion you can make is that that my culture is inferior to the other culture and therefore I must completely adapt to whatever it is that they say is, is correct. Because that would assume that one of these two systems is perfect. And I think that um, <sighs> one thing that's obvious to me is that the more, basically exactly what you said, the more we can learn from each other, the more we can understand how to be create better systems that actually include empathy to get us along the right path, right? So it's about this. It's not about. It's not about saying. Is this? It is about saying no colonization. It is about saying no full integration. It is about saying let's learn to create something better. And knowing that other people's perspectives will be superior to our own. In my opinion, I that is what Canada tries to create. It. Uh, you know, I, I would I would say out of the the third difference between Canada and America is in Canada or in America, it's a melting pot, right? You go mm. to America to become American. Mm. In Canada, it's a, we call it a cultural mosaic, mm. and uh, that's how we describe it in school. It's how we're taught about what our system is, um, and it's, it is about a, bringing all those different perspectives and cultures, and then celebrating those differences. Mm. And those differences make us a whole picture of Canada. And so um, someone uh, who who seek and they're wearing their turban, that is Canada. Uh, mm -hmm. Someone uh, going to a Taoist temple is Canada. Someone um, going to a mass on Sunday is Canada. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how, yeah, we, we see that stuff. Now, not everybody does, right? <laughs> we, well, we, all, well, we all have our... No. Yeah, you all have your yeah, and, totally. and that's the thing that we learn about too, right? Like again, racism is everywhere, nationalism is everywhere, and it's, it's just as strong in Japan as it is in in uh, America or Canada or Britain or wherever yeah. we want to. Well, that sense of tribalism that we need to protect our own is so it's so strong in the human nature, yeah. right? Like, yeah. and and I think that um, I think that one of the things that you said that's really fascinating to me is that. We're seeing, I'll just speak about my country yeah. in the US, we're seeing something that I think is um, is really fascinating. And I've been thinking about this for a couple of decades now, is that a company that is focused on freedom is having this culture war over who's free to do what. <laughs> and, that, and that has been happening for like a long period of time in, in the US. It's 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 is a country that was like literally found on the principles of saying now found with a giant hole in the system that that didn't include people of um 
people of African-American descent largely, but this concept that like freedom was the way that we should be. And so if you go back and actually interpret, if you take the Bill of Rights and if you take the, our constitution, there are so many ways that we've failed to actually implement those two basic thoughts, like those two basic thoughts about like, you should be free to do whatever you want, and then but, but you can't infringe upon the rights of somebody else. Well, that should be the leading focus. Like think of how many problems could be solved today if we just said, okay, you're free to do what you want and you're free to do what you want. And how about we don't shout at each other or come to blows over the fact that you two can each do what you want to do is because you're not infringing upon each other's rights. And it's not until you do fringe upon each other's rights that you like start to get crazy. So it's very, it's a very fascinating perspective. And I think I'm kind of hoping that one of the things that happens in the U S is that people learn to come together. And I think this has happened on and off throughout our history, but the people come together around a promotion of freedom saying, I don't really have the same ideological perspective you do, but I will fight for you to have your right to have it <laughs> and, to, and to pursue it, right? Um, but it's not something that we're doing really great right now. Because it, it, it's tough. <laughs> it, it, it's tough. It's very uh, tough. Another person's freedom is another person's injustice. Yes. And that's the problem when you have uh, capitalism. Uh, where you have a system based on winners and losers and um, you have to leave some people behind and you have to take money from somewhere. And you, so it, it, it's tough. Like in Canada, we had the freedom rally truck thing. Oh yeah. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they've ruined the Canada flag. Like, I can't even see the Canadian flag anymore. Like before when you'd see Canadian flags, it'd be like, like oh, we must have won gold medal in hockey or something. <laughs> and now you see it and you're like, oh, that person's a jerk. Um, <laughs> and because, because again, like the thing, like there were no freedom, like there was no freedoms. It was just like trying to be protected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people create false dichotomies all the time. That's probably like one of the most common, like other than straw man, logical fallacy, false dichotomy is mm -hmm. such a logical fallacy that people fall into. And they, some people just can live in a world where restrictions could be placed upon them. And then they could trust that someone would lift them later. Mm -hmm. it, right. Because that's, you know, well, restrictions are, are fascism and dictatorship. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, totally. When you're in a totalitarian government. But you're in a democracy, so it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. And you're, it was never in question. You, it was never in jeopardy. And you're uh, inciting fear and hate. Uh, and your agenda is obviously always, it's always different. You know, like the right. agenda, you know, how quickly the agenda gets to critical race theory is mind-blowing. And it it's just a different agenda. And that's the problem. That's So for me, freedom of speech, yes. <laughs> hate speech though i like I, I don't have i don't i don't know and then who defines what hate is right and nice. that's and so now i'm stopping someone's freedoms and uh because i also feel like the people should have the freedom to not be persecuted mm -hmm. well so this, is what, this, is, this is what's always impossible. a fascinating conversation because <laughs> it's very difficult and, this is, and part of the reason why is because aren't we solving it jay oh i wish we could i wish we could and, and here's actually my, my Here's actually my deep-seated belief about it, um, which is because because Josh, who was on my first show, the Story Geeks coming back, Josh was the first guest I had, and he was your co-host at Network 1901. Yeah. You and Josh come from a much more left-leaning perspective than I do. I, yeah. I'm not as left-leaning as either of you, right? No. I, no. I, and one of the reasons for that is because 
whenever I study a system, I always think to myself, well, that's not perfect. And it's got lots of problems with it, right? Like, so I'll see a thing like, so at the beginning of the show, you brought up like the oligarchy and the oligarchy, oftentimes, whether it's the oligarchy comes about through communism or socialism or however the oligarchy comes about, that in itself can create um, corruption and problems. And so there's this, there's this, there's this idea that I think that we could, I do think we should try to create better systems as a systems thinker. I'm in favor of that. And that's why yeah. we have conversations where I don't have to agree with everything Dale says to be <laughs> Dale's buddy, right? Like I don't have yeah. to, because yeah. we can just have a great conversation. Um, same thing with Josh, but I also, will, yeah. I also will think to myself things like, well, yes, capitalism has these aspects of crony capitalism and greed, and mm -hmm. it, it does have winners and losers to it. But also if I look at socialism or communism, if I look at the historical record of how some of those perform, that's also can get really bad. So it's this idea that we need to take our systems and put, look at where they're weakest and right. then say, how do we make up for these weaknesses? Because these weaknesses have some severities to them that can cause massive problems within the people. And I do think too, even though I'm a, 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 a tend to be a systems thinker, I will say that I also believe that it is on us to have these kinds of conversations to come out of this, watching the material that we watch and, 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 and thinking about the material that we think about to be able to go forth and say, well, how do I behave today? Because I might be in a capitalist system and might not be able to change it. Or I mm -hmm. might be in, the, in a communist system and might not be able to change it. But how should I behave today? Right? Oh, like, and yeah. that's a very different question. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and so... It, it and so uh, there's a few things. Yes, it I left is an e left is an easy way to ex explain me. Um, uh, but one, I I see the political spectrum as a circle, mm. and not a left and right. Uh, it's more properly defined as a circle. So I see it more like totalitarian government, democracy, mm. and I then I, in in between those I can recognize the left and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, in, when in doubt, when I so I've early on when I was kind of trying to formulate, I, I don't not I have no ologies, I have no isms, I don't I <laughs> I push them all away. Nice. Um, and so when I look at something, I when in doubt, I lean towards people, mm, and mm. The, thus I get this kind of left sensation, which it shouldn't. That shouldn't be the case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. right? right. Like, that's not what right, right wing is supposed to be. Right. Um, but it is important to look at it like that because some, I, someone actually on Twitter, I actually, I actually t told someone something on Twitter and they heard me and then changed their opinion and I was blown away. And he it's was the first like, time it's ever happened. Yeah, it might yeah. be the last time. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, they're like, how come communism seems so similar to fascism, but they're on the completely opposite ends? And I was like, well, just take those two points and bring them together. Mm. and it's because it's just a tool for totalitarianism right mm. i i think capitalism works great i think that you can uh I, that capitalism just needs to be directed and yes. i think that the losers uh in capitalism not that you're a loser but uh <laughs> but uh it, that that bottom doesn't yeah. need to be so bottom it need it could totally. be brought up uh and totally. and and then we have to deal with the exponential growth problem, but space will solve a lot of that. So, yeah. um, so I, I'm, I'm like, uh, run the jewels. Um, oh yeah. 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 Like uh, killer Mike, the, I would say 
I'm a mix between like Killer Mike and Larry David. It would probably be <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. I like my... both of those things, which is probably yeah. why I like you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. That's great. So just in the interest of time, I'm going to let you pick the yeah. last question. Do oh, sorry. I rather... know. No, no, no. I, you're I good. Like, no. There's no way we're going to get through four questions. Yeah, that, that's, that, I, that's fantastic. <laughs> because I love the deeper conversation. So would you rather talk about uh, the responsibilities of journalists and news outlets or would you rather talk about or I can put, punt that for another uh, conversation, another show and we can talk about um, the. uh Let's see, what do I got here? Oh, this concept of knowledge and the concept of knowledge being um, something that we should pursue. Would you rather talk about knowledge or would you rather talk about journalism and the news media? I oh, I think it's kind of both. I think it blends. So I okay. think we could kind of think it, you know, um, so, but I think question four is, is a good one. And then what we can probably, it, it all kind of comes together. Perfect. So I'm going to jump into question number four and then we'll, we'll go after it. Cause we're having this, I think the more you can have deep discussions like this, the more pleased I am. So thank you for joining me on this. This is great. Yeah. Um, there's a moment in this show in Tokyo vice where one of Jake's crime journalist buddies is questioning why he even works for the newspaper. Now this is a, this is one of his buddies who, um, who actually is one of the better writers, by the way, uh, at the newspaper amongst the young, the younger crew here. And he's just questioning like why he even works there. And Jake tries to encourage him by saying that his dad, Jake's dad used to get two newspapers every day. And when Jake asked his dad why he did that, his dad said, every day, the knowledge of the world increases a little bit. And this newspaper is evidence of that. And it seems um, incredibly motivating to Jake. It's part of the reason why he's doing this thing as a foreigner working for one of the better Japanese newspapers that exists. But what do you think about that statement in 2022? Does it resonate with you or why not? I'll repeat it one more time and I'll let you take over. Every day, the knowledge of the world increases a little bit and this newspaper is evidence of that. What do you think about that? Uh, it resonates for me at least uh, on like every level. Oh, <laughs> right? nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. like it, it, that, I'm a, like I'm a humanist First and foremost, like I, mm -hmm. I'm worried about 5,000 years from now. Uh, I know that like for a lot of people, they like don't understand that. Yeah. For me, I'm very much about what we do now will only like really matters more as long as people exist. Right. And so if people need to keep existing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, Anti-Thanos. So, We're anti-Thanos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And again, it, it, it works in a lot of ways, but you just have to go to space. And, um, uh, and not people, just like uh, our resources need to go mm, to space. We need to mm, be, mm. you know, that's part of Elon Musk's big whole plan, which is it's funny, like, because you people hate him or they think he's like, you're not supposed to go to everybody for your, uh, like for every opinion, you know, right. like, <laughs> if you got like some manufacturing right. questions or how to send a rocket to space, ask Elon. Right. Uh, if you want to know how to like treat, like take care of the disabled, don't ask Elon Musk. <laughs> right. Uh, but, so, so it hit, it hit me really like, again, like, so like I'm a dreamer. I like, I believe people should be getting better every day. I believe, mm. always believe there's a path of, of uh, to redemption. Mm. It, it like motivates me in my life. Uh, it's the reason, like, I believe it. Like I want to have a podcast cause I want to be a part of that mm. betterness or that history. Like we don't need to put ourselves out here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're not, it's not like you're not making like $150,000 a year <laughs> no. to, to put like to expose yourself. Right. Exactly. To put your to put your beliefs on trial. 
right to um i did a i did a video oh back in the day it was uh say like uh white uh, men are ruining star wars because there was a hashtag oh yeah women yeah, are I remember that. yeah yeah i remember that so the to- this group called like the toxic brood or whatever like mm. decided to like watch my video and make fun of me for oh, like four hours or some crazy oh thing gosh. they did and yeah. i hopped on to their thing and <laughs> talked to them about it and in retrospect, I wish I was a little more prepared because I could have just like destroyed them all with their logical fallacies. But yeah, yeah, um, you know that like to to I wanted to be a voice to to point out how ridiculous it would to be to suggest that women could ruin Star Wars or that men like it, to say mm-hmm. that women are ruining Star Wars. Mostly men are ruining Star Wars. How ridiculous! Like we're like that's it, it's just so silly and um that was like completely lost on them but i would do it again <laughs> i would do it again because i even just the one episode of the podcast really someone messaged me being like i'm glad to hear that you're back i love your opinions and like you are like always just hoping everyone will be okay <laughs> and, you know and <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like that that's why you do it that's why we why we do these podcasts why we spend time dissecting story because it's mm-hmm. we want to be a part of history. We are increasing our knowledge every day. You know, in, f- in fifteen hundred Germany, you know they couldn't read, and they were like, "Well, let's uh, if you commit a crime, we're gonna just figure out how much we should punish you before we kill you." Like that was, <laughs> that was <laughs> it. That was society. <laughs> right. We were like, "Oh, I made that burnt my bread." Okay, well, that's <laughs> only three days of torture before you're murdered. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay like this just seems harsh right <laughs> learn to read um so so like and like that's not that long ago right right like and like this is that that's like real stuff and right. so we're it, we're always getting better every day and we are getting smarter every day and it, you know and, and people are should be feeling safer every day and mm-hmm. and um and so the, it hits super hard for me with that where and uh, it almost makes me want to like leave my family and learn Japanese and, <laughs> and go and become a journalist, <laughs> become Jake. Yeah, and and um, yeah. So you know, I um, I I think I think what's important about that too now is that times have like why you asked that question. I think is because in 2022, mm. we no longer do what we used to do. So with with the news, we used to get given neutral information. Mm-hmm. And then we would develop opinions based on our knowledge and experience mm-hmm. and then debate what actions we needed to take with the facts that were presented to us. Right. Nowadays, we debate the facts. <laughs> um, and it's because you've got, you know, obviously you've got 24-hour news stations that mm-hmm. are creating false narratives. They're not... They don't, they mix commentary and opinion with Mm. um, news reporting so -hmm. they can point to the news report to say that they were factually accurate, but then their commentary is false. Mm. Uh, Or you have someone like Tucker Carlson who will um, do a very like kindergarten thing and just propose everything as a question. Right. So I'm not saying anything. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not inciting anything. I'm just asking the question. Should we allow <laughs> black people to own homes? That's all I'm asking. I'm just asking the question. <laughs> and uh, you know, and and so again, that makes people debate the facts, you, yeah. right? Like, you, yeah. And and once you're debating facts, and you're not trusting where facts come from, you can't make like that's the beginning. Like, you can't. The system then doesn't work anymore. If mm. if the if 
if those who run forces burn crosses and <laughs> those who are supposed to give us facts tell us lies, mm. democracy is built off news mm. and feeling safe. Mm. And uh, and yeah, so if you can't, if the fact, if you can't agree on facts and that I think then especially in we'll use America, it, it will always be divided mm. because you're not, you're no longer using logic because you're, the facts are different. So you can't mm. get to a logical conclusion. You, you can't, you, yeah, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it just becomes, a, I, I will, I feel that this would be the right way to do it. It feels right for me. Right. And that, that like, that makes sense when we're talking like someone's own gender journey or something, mm -hmm. but not when we're talking about, you know, science. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, okay. So one of some of the things that you said that, um, because I, I, it's interesting because I don't resonate with the statement. However, one of the ways that you interpreted the statement, I do resonate with. So I want to, I want to externalize some of that yeah. because, because one of the things I think that, that is true. So I, I call it, I call this statement a partial truth that, that knowledge is what we're striving for, I think is a partial truth. Cause one of the things that you just said is one of the things that I really resonate with. And that is in terms of us putting ourselves out there in terms of us trying to speak into issues, right? I don't think that we're just talking about knowledge anymore. We're talking about wisdom. We are trying to say, let's take the knowledge that exists and let's try and seek wisdom amidst that knowledge. And wisdom just being an application of knowledge that betters us in some way, betters the community in some way, shape or form. That is what's the, what's the best way of using this knowledge to then behave. And I think that the problem why, with why it doesn't resonate with me in 2022 is that I think that people, so just for one thing, just let me reiterate what you said. Um, Cause like Tucker Carlson's a great example. I was even listening to, um, I even listened to a, just to give just to give a, a balanced perspective i also listened to a rachel maddow segment where i was like mm -hmm. you literally you literally just said like just came to a bunch of false conclusions and i know that yeah. because i looked at the i looked at the other information right like now so I'm, I'm appreciative that information can be as widespread as it is however i do think that there are two consequences of knowledge that are actually detrimental to us as human beings hmm. the first is that a plethora of knowledge given to us at, in a fire hose way does not allow us to differentiate between the feelings that we get from that knowledge and our ability to interpret it and internalize it and then be wise about it. So let me give a couple of examples. It used to be when the show was 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 taking place in, in the in the late 90s you didn't have the type of information deluge that we had today. The internet was still in its infancy. I mean, back, this is back when I was in college, we were yeah. not even allowed to use the internet to cite sources. <laughs> like we, cause it was like, you I remember just, that. Yeah. Well, it was too easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's either too easy or yeah. there's no way we can verify whether right. or not that's true or false. So you can't use it. Um, and Wikipedia wasn't allowed. <laughs> no, Wikipedia <laughs> was not, not cool at all. Um, and, and, and yet now there's these scenarios where, it used to be that I might hear about, let's just say that there was a mass shooting in Texas, yeah. a horrible event. It happens in Dallas. And then I hear about it either the next day or maybe two, three days later. I don't hear about it like right when it's happening right. now because of social media and because of our attention, I hear about it as it's happening and it causes massive anxiety. 
yeah. massive anxiety for something that I can literally knew, do nothing about at the, at the time it's happening at, at, when it's spilling over. And so I feel like there's this thing that happens where information overload, knowledge overload causes us to kind of like retreat from it, re retreat from knowledge. And then that by definition sometimes will cause us to retreat from wisdom because we retreat from what we could actually do about a problem. We retreat from saying, hey, so that that doesn't happen in our city, what should we be looking out for? What should we be taking care of so that we can actually improve what's going on as opposed to just being overwhelmed by something that I have no control over? This is something that happens, you know, you and I are both really big Disney fans. We're going to get into your podcast in a minute where you talk about Disney concerns. But there are some things where it's like there's this whole culture battle that's happening right now where like on both sides of the of the aisle, people are getting really riled up about Disney. Now, I don't care what side of the aisle you fall on. doesn't matter to me. But a lot of the things that people are getting fired up about literally do not affect them personally. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a care about it. I'm not saying you shouldn't think about it. I'm not saying you shouldn't consider whether or not that's right or wrong. Because obviously on this podcast, we're always talking about like, well, what do we do? How do we navigate things? I'm not saying that. And I think that your podcast is probably really helpful with helping people come to terms with what's going on in those situations. But at some point in time, you also have to say, how do I encourage those people? How do I support those people? Or if I can't, and there's nothing I can do about it, how do I make sure that those that those kind of problems don't occur in the in my local situation that I have much more control over? Connecting with your neighbors. We don't connect with our neighbors anymore because I can talk to you in Vancouver, Dale. Yeah. And I love talking to you in Vancouver. <laughs> well, I'm going to invite you on my show. But yeah. I need to be able to talk to my neighbors too, right? Like yeah. I need to be able to not just engage with the people who agree with me, but also with the people who disagree with me. Now, I try and do that on this show, but it's not always that easy of a thing to do. Um, so I, I like the statement, but I think that also to your points and to some of the things that I brought up, I think that knowledge is not the goal. And if we make it the goal, we actually, uh, we short ourselves on getting to the next level, which is wisdom. And that's kind of my only concern. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I hear that, you know, knowledge, like it's a tool, yes. right? So yes, yes. Uh, and, and, but it's a problem because you can't like nerds are supposed to make it. So like we know stuff and then we <laughs> then get better. Uh, and then when that comes into question uh, and everyone has a voice and everyone has an opinion, again, like these are people who we give ourselves a voice and opinion, like, and, and now we're criticizing for other people wanting it as well. Um, <laughs> but but it, it's just the amount of work I actually go into. So one of the criticisms I get faced with as a person hmm. is that when I'm discussing stuff, I discuss it like it comes from a place that I'm right and you are not. Uh, and that, um, <clears throat> and, and, and that I'm stubborn or, or whatever. Uh, but that's because uh, those are true, but also <laughs> I, uh, um, no, I, I put a lot of work into my thoughts and opinions. So like hmm. I, have people in my family that are uh, Trump supporters and uh, and I talk with them about stuff. I, I hear what they say. Mm. Um, I hear why they're concerned. They come from different generations or sometimes they're people that uh, like were cousins or whatever. And I I listen to people. I, I'm my wife used to get mad at me because she'd be like, why did you just change? Like, why did you just change your opinion? 
Mm. Like, why did you just change your opinion and, and now you're agreeing with me? And I'm like, well, you presented facts. <laughs> and your I argument weighed, was superior. I so what am I supposed to do? My facts that I had, and now my opinions <laughs> changed. It's like right, literally right. what we're supposed to do. Right. And, and uh, that that and that's all like science, like scientific method is right. Mm. And I'm like, I am. If I was to have a, a belief system, science would be it, uh, mm. because mm. it isn't a belief system; it's a system of uh, questioning. It, it, it's mm. a it's a structure to uh, review, criticize, mm. and and then improve, uh, mm. and that's all it is. Uh, it's only later on that, that when people get their hands on it that it becomes something different. <laughs> and but I like I, I really hear you, I really hear you with that about that. Uh, it's about wisdom, mm. um, but then. People also have this kind of. Do you have kids, Jay? No, no. no. I would. I, I agree with you, but having kids and being around kids shows you that they don't want your wisdom. <laughs> sure, sure. And so, when you offer wisdom to people, they find mm. it condescending, mm. uh, or you don't know me, or you don't, you couldn't mm. empathize with my situation. Mm. or it's different or I'm different or whatever excuse we give to ourselves. And mm. uh, I think that has happened too in our modern day now. Where yes. we're, we're, so I, the amount of people that I privately messaged to give them information and uh, resources during the pandemic on vaccinations and like oh, yeah. things that they should be okay with and, and why, or, or what, like, um, uh, certain things like that i had lots of not one of them not one person came around to be like oh, okay yeah like oh that makes a lot of sense or th those are really good points or like you know i really appreciate it you must actually just kind of care about people that thank you so much none of them not right, one right. because that's not what it was about right, right. you know it wasn't it, it's not what it is for them they right. don't they're cognitive the cognitive dissidents they just don't want to be told what to do and they and and that's it that's the only thing that matters to them totally and then it then it's filling that narrative of any piece of information that they can get that can fill that narrative of how to support their cognitive dissidence is is, is all they do now and then it becomes uh, now someone has a platform and now yeah. it becomes a shared thought and then right. people you know 500 people commented on it well that must be a pretty valid opinion then yeah exactly well and, that, and that's that's actually a good point is that you can actually take knowledge and do the opposite of it that you would do to find wisdom. You can take knowledge and so you can have false knowledge, which is one thing. You can actually have knowledge that is incomplete, which is another thing. I remember there was a, there was a, so I had a, um, I had a pretty adverse reaction to either the vax or COVID or whatever. That's not my point in talking about that is, because I had a heart condition that I'm still trying to get over. Yeah. Um, my point fun. in that was the two things can be true. The vax can cause you to have heart complications, but COVID can be a more likely source of those same things. So as, as a person who had an adverse reaction, whether, whether it was to specifically the vax or to COVID in general, I have to hold these things. And, and why is it difficult to hold those things in place? Because I'd rather create a villain in my mind. Yeah, that this is the villain or that's the villain, and that, yeah. and the truth is all is is I think wisdom is saying this hurt me, but it still may have been my best choice, and that's right. a difficult thing to say because I'd rather Very make difficult. a villain. 
it's right, very like, difficult for people for that. Uh, and yeah, and, and probability is a hard thing for people to understand. Yep. And especially when you're dealing in billions, yep. um, math becomes even different. And it, it's a whole nother thing. Yes. Uh, so a lot of the times, my wife would be like, Oh, like you said, this couldn't happen. I'm like, Yeah, like it essentially didn't. And she's <laughs> like, But there's like these 10 people that it happened to. And I'm like, Yeah. Right. That, right, right. like prob probability. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, like so yeah, that that's the thing. Like, um, someone said to me, because I, I started following people, any anyone who had like Canadian or Disney in their name, I just kind of was reaching out to them and oh, <laughs> I, I blew up in my like right away it was like anti uh, anti-vax stuff. And oh, wow. um Alberta is kind of uh, like Texas up north and they, oh, they, nice. they, they're they kind of a bit of a copycat uh, place. So it's a kind oh, of a strange uh, place in Canada. And um, uh, so, but what like, so what they had said was like, well, I'll trust my immune system over a jab. And it was uh, like, yeah, it was like, like you should trust your immune system. Like that's the whole point. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. point is it is it, it, uh, vaccinations, an email to your, to your immune system to tell it to look out for a jerk. You know, <laughs> right, and, and, and that's it, and like that's all it is. And um, are there are you could people be impacted by it? Are there are there are there some negative side effects? Yeah, in the point zero ones of uh, probability, which when you expand over billions happens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we're talking point zero zero three versus five percent. Right, right, fifteen percent. Exactly. And exactly. so that's all it's risk mitigation. And yes, people also are adverse to making a decision that will cause them a problem. So someone would rather die from COVID right. because it happened to them right. than they would have died from getting a shot because they chose to take it. Right. Exactly. And, exactly. and so and fear's the mind killer. Yeah. And and so when we're afraid, we we would be like, well, you know what? I, I, I'm just not going to do anything. Right. 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 Okay. Well, th and this is, and this is so, so first of all, I wanted to talk about your podcast because um, yeah. I want people to, obviously this conversation has been a pretty deep conversation. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I, I think is true that you said earlier that I want to just touch on really quickly before we talk about your podcast <laughs> is that I don't think you can, this is a form of colonization, maybe not nation to nation, but idea to idea. You shouldn't colonize other people in terms of their ideas. So when we talk about wisdom, one of the reasons why I have this open conversation with you and we just talk about what the show is explaining to us, stories are, in my opinion, one of the best ways to talk about things because stories create so much space in our minds for understanding and interpretation, even more so than numbers do, which is insane that our brains are wired that way. But that's actually science, to your point. So science says your brain is wired that way. Yeah. Um, and I think that part of wisdom is saying, that you and I can have a conversation and I'm not going to try and tell you what to think. And you're not going to try and tell me what to think, but we're both going to come away from the conversation wiser right. and because I'm not trying to make sure that you and that you believe what I believe. And you're not trying to make sure that I believe what you believe. We're just trying to come to the table and say, what is this show telling us and how does that shape our perspective of the world? And as we talk about that thing, um, it, it, it unlocks things in our mind that we may otherwise not have thought about before. So you've, yeah, like you did it, you've done it to me like five times. Like I, I'm going to uh, have to sit and think about a lot of different things that you say. It happens all the time. Yeah. Same with you me. Know, same I with like, me. I like how you talk about religion. Um, and I, 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 
I'd I was actually I was going to say like I'd love to hear you more about it. I'd like to hear more on your thoughts and how you feel and and how you navigate your world and um you know like you probably don't know this about me like like I did the alpha program and stuff like I truly like I looked for different things. I've mm. you know read the Quran, go to Baha'i temples and uh I really I been to the Dalai Lama's uh compound and um that's all you know and and i'm that that's really important for me like learning about religions and 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 things you know all like so most of our most of us are religious you know and so to to be even though i'm not religious i i more it's more from a place of uh uh who am i to choose (laughs) you know right like (laughs) uh than it is from anything else um and and but that doesn't make me that make, doesn't make us not get along. Not at all. No, right? not at all. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't do anything. And, and you know, my my uh, my uncle, I get along with him. Per, like we get along better than anybody in my whole family. Yeah. And yeah. we we and he hears what I have. To, like I I he, he was he was asking me about don't say gay Bill. Hell right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He does not agree at all <laughs> with what what I have to say about <laughs> it. And it was okay. And I yeah. didn't. I didn't belittle him and he heard me and, yeah. and, and he, you know, hmm, goes away with a bit of a, hmm, and I go away with a bit of a, hmm, and, <laughs> Perfect. and, and that's it. Like that's yeah. what you want more from a conversation, right? And then, that's what you and want that's more that wisdom of. piece. That's what you want more of. Let's talk about your podcast. Um, you have the Disney culture club. This has been a podcast that you've done before. And yeah. a lot of your thinking was in this regard was included in 1901. Network 1901. So tell tell me about what this who this podcast is for and what kind of things you're going to be talking about. Right. Uh, okay. So yeah. So I I stepped away from like podcasting and stuff. And so uh, Josh and I uh, with Andy. But it was mostly Josh and I created Network 1901. Mm-hmm. I had a I was a co-host on another podcast at that time called the Decast. You actually said it about with Josh. Um, Josh and I come from that same place where we just want people to be okay. And, um, I'm of the belief if a, if a small group of people come to you and tell you about injustice, you should just Mm. listen to them. Yeah. Yeah, They're probably, they're probably right. I just want to be a a person who cares about America, Mm. who can see stories, Mm. um, who has a bit of religious background. So I feel like I can at least kind of tussle with American questions and, Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of understand where, you're coming from but coming from a place of just like well here's a pathway to maybe try to get better that's kind of the my the podcast and, and, and the reason why i brought it back is like a a reboot cool nice so that, that's obviously the best form of uh reboot is the mm. one that is a sequel uh but has a new cast of characters it's called the disney culture club it's on all the the pods uh you can check it out there if you want to follow me on anything like uh, real dale knows or dale knows on whatever social media you want to use i hope some of you take the time to come listen to me on my other show and we'll have jay on there uh from time to time so i'm sure you'll hear me pop up on here too that sounds super fun thank you dale for joining me awesome insights into the show really appreciate that I'm going to keep watching the show. So maybe yeah. we'll have to circle back around and have another conversation about it. Um, but in the meantime, go check out Dale's show. Go follow Dale on the social medias. Send him some questions. And, you know, Dale knows. So you have to listen to what he says. In the meantime, I'm going to get to the next segment of this show. Okay, so that's it for Tokyo Vice. Next up on the show, I'm going to play a little bit more from Death of a Bounty Hunter. Two weeks ago, I talked about Death of a Bounty Hunter. And I read part of chapter one. 
Well, as you know, I've talked about this before, I'm creating a full cast audiobook, which means I've hired 11 different people to voice the 14 different roles that are in this book. Today, we're gonna to hear from two of those roles because I'm going to play an exclusive clip of the Death of a Bounty Hunter final finished audio for this book, the full cast audiobook. I'm gonna play that for you. And then I'll be back more at the tail end of it to talk a little bit more about it. On Thursday, I'll be breaking down how did we get this cast? How did we go about recording it? How did I direct it? How did Nathan assist in that process? We're gonna be talking about that all on Thursday's show. So don't miss that either. Death of a Bounty Hunter, part one. An excerpt from the Book of the Preacher, Homily 326. And unto you, I say, a man must acquit himself of the low nature which is his want, that which striveth against its fellow man towards its own ends. For therein lies the path of the devil, and for the one of whom ruination bides. Partake not in the treacheries of the present darkness, such works are but fleeting shadows to be scattered with the dawn, and your soul shall be likewise. Repent, therefore, and do not tarry, for the hand of God smiteth the heathen, but the water shall wash him clean. Chapter 1. The Thief Narrated by Flint Die, you slant-eyed rot bastard! He spits and grunts, trying to wrap his massive steel hands around my throat. I squirm to the side as one of his heavy gear and piston-driven fingers scrapes my shoulder. Steam escapes from the fine-tuned mechanics. It's no louder than a whisper, but right next to my ear, the hiss sounds like a snake about to strike. If his fingers find my neck, I'm dead, I think and it'll be my own damn fault because I never saw it coming. He's sitting on my chest, pinning me to the ground while trying to tear my head off, and I'm still not sure how it's even possible. How the hell's he doing this? I shove my right hand into his face and reach for his eye. He growls and tilts his head back to prevent my finger from digging into the socket. Then he brings his left hand down in a sweeping arc aimed at my head. I roll hard to the side, barely avoiding the heavy fist as it slams into the dirt. Almost lost an ear. Gotta get him off me. Desperate, I throw a left jab that catches him on the chin. When his head snaps back, I grab a handful of dust with my other hand and throw it in his face. <clears throat> Shit! My eyes! I grab his shirt as close as I can to his neck and push him back. Blinded by the dust, he throws a wild haymaker at my head. It hits nothing but air. His other hand goes for my neck again. One of his fingers thumps the side of my skull, and it feels like the head of a hammer. And then with a quick twist of his hand, he manages to slide his fingers around my neck. So this is how I die. Head ripped off in the middle of the desert. Great. His bloodshot, dirt-infused eyes go wide, and an evil grin creeps across his lips. The alloy fingers squeeze. I try to gulp down one last deep breath, but it's too late. My air's cut off, and in seconds, those inhuman hands will collapse my trachea before separating my head from my torso. I close my eye and wonder whether or not it's worth throwing up a desperate last-minute prayer. 
Who the hell would I pray to, I wonder? This isn't the way I intended to die. Damn you, Harold Plunkett. And damn me for letting you rip my head off. I'll see you in hell and return the favor. I resign myself to the blackness of death when I feel the alloy fingers begin to twitch. An irregular spastic jolting. With each odd convulsion of his fingers, the pressure on my neck eases. My eye jumps back open in time to see Plunkett's grin fade. No. No. No, 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 no! With one last convulsion, his grip fully releases. I open my mouth and try to gulp down air but get nothing. Plunkett scrambles off my chest and dives from my satchel. He needs what's in that satchel, I think. He needs it bad. I roll over, try for air again, and get a second helping of nothing. I'd been using the satchel as a pillow before Plunkett's ambush woke me. He grabs it and tries to rip the flap open. My right hand finds the 45 caliber herb on my hip. I suck down a clean, clear breath of fresh air as I draw the pistol. The onset of oxygen feels like new life. I roll over and aim the herb 45 at him. Hey, shithead. I manage to choke out of my burning throat. He turns his hate-filled, red-rimmed eyes on me. A loud hiss comes from his steel hands. His fingers lose their grip on the satchel and it falls to the ground at his knees. He looks down at it lustfully, like a prisoner staring at a set of keys through the bars of his cell. He's so close and yet it might as well be halfway across the desert for all the good it does him. You done? I ask. He falls back into a seated position in the dirt and glowers at his lifeless hands. The fingers are frozen as if he can no longer control them. Strands of sweat-soaked gray hair, which are usually combed over his bald scalp, stick to his forehead, and his white mutton chops are muddy with dust and sweat. He lets the iron hands fall to the desert sand. I hope you guys enjoyed that clip of Death of a Bounty Hunter, the full cast audiobook. Stay tuned because it is coming to an audiobook distributor near you very soon, probably within the next two to three weeks. And that is it for today's show. Don't forget, new episodes of the Story Geek Show come out every Tuesday and Thursday. On April 21st, I'll be reacting to episode four of Moon Knight and then going behind the scenes in our full cast audiobook of Death of a Bounty Hunter. Subscribe to the Story Geek Show on YouTube or your preferred podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. All episodes are published to the podcast feed right after I finish recording them on YouTube. Leave me a comment and let us know what you thought about episodes two and three of Tokyo Vice or what your reaction was to the Thor Love and Thunder trailer. Thanks for listening and or watching, and I will see you on Thursday.